Hoy hoy, you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and you are listening to Everybody Trades. What is happening, y'all? Hey, if you're listening to this, I know, based on really hip phrases like, for one, hip, and what's happening. If you're listening to this, you're obviously youthful, energetic, and hip as well. But seriously, though, I am about of the age where a lot of you young people are starting to get married, aren't you? Ah, uh, it's cute. It really is. Young love. Gives me hope. It really does. Just like a new Mizzou football season. But I'm digressing already. The point of this show today is to talk about housing. And specifically, the societal pressure that is on young people as soon as they get a few nickels to rub together. And especially if they're newlyweds. To buy a house as soon as they possibly can. Well, I'm speaking for experience on this particular topic, and I've had two very different experiences owning a home and also experience as a renter as well. So, why don't we compare and contrast these things? Well, first of all, I just want to say right off the bat if you're feeling the pressure to buy a home and you're also feeling the pinch, the pressure pinch, the penny pinch, if I can speak at some point proper English, if that's making you feel pressure financially, the idea of having a new home, well, I would really encourage you to pump the brakes and chill because you really, really do not have to own a house. You don't. Now, maybe your wife or your husband or somebody in your life, your parents is really pressuring you to, or you feel like Everybody's telling you that owning a home is a great investment. It always goes up and it can never fail. Well, I would listen to your instincts on that one. Now, here's the deal. Naturally, everyone's different. If you have enough money to pay off an entire house in cash, for instance, and you have no interest in moving anytime soon, you found your dream house, your dream home, well, in that scenario, obviously, go ahead. Be my guest. Throw down your money and buy a house. What do I care? You're probably fine. But for most people, it's not quite that simple. A lot of first-time home bo- homeowners have student loans, for instance, and they may just be on the job, on a new job for maybe a year or two and starting to make some decent money, but suddenly... The idea comes that, hey, oh, you've got, what, $20,000 or thirty grand, whatever, finally packed away in the bank. Well, by golly, you need to take that money and spend it on a house. Even if you're single, that's absolutely what you should do. That's what we've taught people. It's the American dream, right? Now, my current situation, I bought a house in 2013. And currently, if you look at Zillow, for instance, my house is of higher value than it was, at least in theory. Now we'll find out if I actually put it on the market, right? But in theory, like almost everybody, if you bought a house in that time period in America, certainly in the south side of Columbia where I happen to live, you're probably doing fine. You're looking good on paper anyway. Let's put it that way. But that's no guarantee, is it? As I certainly found out when I was a first-time homeowner. Yes, before I was married, before I even knew my wife, in fact, 
I was convinced that, yes, I finally had a few nickels to rub together, and by golly, I need to, to throw down some money on a house. Why, what could be a smarter investment, right? Well, unfortunately, I bought that house in 2006 and would almost immediately, that house would start losing value precipitously, which wouldn't have been that big of a deal if I had stayed in town where I had originally bought that house. But I moved to a new city because of a job opportunity. That's where I moved to Chicago and started becoming a a floor trader, a pit trader in the corn pits in the Chicago Port of Trade. That's where that whole adventure started. But quite honestly, if I had never bought a house, if I had just been a renter for that time, I would have saved myself tens of thousands of dollars. I really would have because by the end of it, after two years of my house essentially rotting on the market, I was ready to just get out desperately at any price. And because frankly, I needed the money. I needed some cash flow. And I'm sure a lot of people were in my situation, obviously, during the whole 2008 calamity. We all have heard plenty about that, right? Plenty of movies, plenty of books. A lot of ink has been spilled on that particular topic. But the bottom line is, is that period shows that, yes, not only is a house not necessarily a panacea of investment, it can go against you quite hard. And frankly, when you talk to realtors, regardless of which side of the transaction they're on, whether they're on the buyer's side or the seller's side, realtors' incentive is quite obvious. Their incentive is to make a sale, is to make the transaction happen. Again, no matter which side of the the trade that they're on. That's their incentive, right? So they... Quite often, and this is my experience, they'll tell you, hey, they'll give you the whole, hey, it's a great investment thing. Notice that that's not something that you're supposed to do when you're a financial broker, a stock broker, a financial planner. You're quite explicitly, legally supposed to say, hey, make people sign and initial and say, hey, I I understand that all financial investments can lose value, yada, yada, yada. And quite frankly, that that language is probably in real estate contracts as well. But the point is, is they don't really, it's quite the opposite of them make, kind of trying to scare you about the downside. They're, they're much more interested in convincing you of what the upside of the transaction is. And moreover, almost nobody ever tells you in that process, at least on the real estate broker side, that there's something called the $1 per square foot rule. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's related to maintenance, upkeep, changes to your house in the form of remodeling, whatever it might be. So in other words, say you have a 2,000 square foot house, fairly modest size house. I've lived in a house, I've actually rented a house that was about 1,700 square feet. And while that costs us about $900 a month between the three of us a few years ago, $950, I guess it was. Well, we didn't have to worry about that $1 per square foot, did we? There was no $1,600 to $2,000 a year, approximately on average, that is, that you would need to factor in. And quite honestly, from my experience, especially the last six years being in the same home, that $1 per square foot rule is a pretty handy rule of thumb from my experience. Obviously, some years it's going to be a little less, some years it's going to be a little higher, but just about every year since I've moved into my house, we've needed to do something. 
I've needed to put on a new roof immediately. Uh, what else? Let's see. New guttering. That was another big project. Uh, the hardwood floors needed to be refinished. And just this year coming up, we're probably going to need to replace our deck. And also going to put in an outdoor patio that's screened in. And then on top of that, there's just your seasonal weekly type maintenance that you don't have to worry about when you're in a rental property. For in, Obviously, there's mowing your lawn, but then there's other landscaping like pulling weeds, trimming your shrubs, that sort of thing. Oh, and you have to power wash your siding. If you have siding, yeah, you're going to want to power wash that every once in a while, especially if you're near a lot of trees, that sort of thing. Your sidewalks, your concrete, you're going to want to power wash that sometimes too. Again, you're either going to have to take time out of your day, buy a power washer, do all these sorts of things, get a little blood, sweat, and tears into the house, or you're going to have to pay somebody else to do it. These are the sorts of things that you don't necessarily think about if you're a first-time home buyer. And if you think, oh my God, John's trying to scare me out of buying a house. Yeah, I am a little bit. But I'm at least just trying to give you the downside case, the bear case, if you will. See, in the stock market, there's the bullish case of a stock and the bearish case. In other words, there's the case for why people think it's going to go up, and there's the people for why the case for why people think it's going to go down. I'm at least giving you the downside of a house here because in America, we've just been sold a bill of goods, in my opinion, that, hey, buy a house, do it, do it no matter what. Well, hey, again, especially if you're a new, newlywed couple, especially if you're a single guy, a single gal, you really don't need to be in any big hurry, especially before you have children. There's no real need to plant down roots prematurely. Who knows where life will take you? In fact, professionally, it's very advantageous to be flexible. It's one of the most advantageous things you can have in terms of other people you're competing against. Your willingness to relocate is something that a lot of people aren't willing to do. Keep that freedom as long as you can would be my advice. And finally, if you do feel like you've made a mistake and you've bought a house in the last few years and Frankly, it's bleeding you dry to some extent, or at least as far as you're not saving nearly as much money as you would have imagined or you would have hoped. Well, from my perspective, this is actually a great time to sell. We've had a few years, several years now, of bullish prices in homes. Now, certainly, there's going to be exceptions to that depending on where you live, but for the most part, the trend has been up. It's been bullish. So, don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about, oh, gee, oh, my God, the Smiths, they had to sell their house and they're renting now? Oh, oh, perish the thought. Don't worry about that stuff. And by the way, you don't have to tell people that you're renting either. You can just tell them that you moved. It's not a big deal. Just make, this, make the decisions that work best for you and stop worrying about the gossipy people of the world. I'm tired of those people, and frankly, you should be too. Make the decision that's best for you. And not only that, make an independently formed decision. Don't do something just because you're high school buddies per se. And I mean that literally and figuratively. Because so much of life, even when you're adults, you're adults in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 
It's amazing how clicky the world still is. Well, don't worry about that stuff. Again, hey, I'm sure there's plenty of you out there perfectly happy in your house, so I'm not saying I'm perfectly happy in my house. I'm not selling anytime soon. Don't get me wrong. But if I was looking to sell, now would be a good time. That's my opinion. And number one, or number two, finally, just pump the brakes. If you're not sure about it, if you're comfortable renting for now and you feel like Taking on a house would be too big of a financial burden despite what other people are saying. Well, listen to yourself. There's probably a reason you're having that thought. And with that, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks for joining me once again. I am John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trade. to my house. My house. <laughs>